0: Somebody said prime rib for service and I have made my reservation for their house next Christmas morning because I've never heard of that before. That's awesome. Okay, now I'm from the South, so you know if we have a family holiday, any kind of holiday gathering, there is always gonna be sausage balls on the table. And you know, that's something that like when we had our first staff Christmas reception here when we first came here and everybody's going, what are these strange cookies that these people have made? You know, I thought it was everywhere, but different things for different families. You know, when Leanne's family gathers, her dad's side of the family, her sister-in-law, if it's Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's, it doesn't matter, they are going to have collard greens. Her sister-in-law makes them. Everybody expects them except me, because I don't understand why you would bring weeds in the house and eat them, okay? So that stuff divides us. Lots of things divided us. We're in this series that we're calling Divided, and we're thinking about how and in our culture right now there are such fault lines that separate us that keep us apart and it's about all sorts of different things and so we may people that we love people that we don't know it doesn't really matter we look and say why do they think that right why why do they think the way they're thinking about church religion sexuality why would they think the way they do about a political figure about a wall about lots of things we just don't get why someone else thinks the way that they do because like we know we're right so why would they choose to be wrong and so we we avoid conversation Maybe we just stay away from people because we don 't want to talk about any of that stuff, and, and the problem with that is when we do that, when we as the church do that, we fail in our mission because we don 't have the conversations that can lead to something more important. we fail to to have meaningful conversations with the people around us at all, much less about something that really matters and so we don't have the opportunity ever to talk about Jesus. We don't have the opportunity to talk about really what is on their hearts. So how do we as Christians overcome these fault lines? That's what we're talking about this month. And so today, to begin to think through that, I want us to turn to a great story that we find in Acts chapter 10. You know, there were divisions in the 1st century just like there are divisions in the 21st century, and there are things that we can learn from the way that God was at work, and that's what we see in this story. God at work to help overcome the divisions that were already there in the earliest church. Now, the context for this is, one of the problems in the early church was, okay, we got different people coming into the church, how do we deal with it? Because the earliest church was really a movement within... Judaism. Because Jesus was a Jew. The 12 disciples, the 12 apostles, they were all Jews. And so the earliest Christians are all Jews. So what happens when you've got some Gentiles, non-Jews, who begin to hear about Jesus and the hope that he offers, and they say, "Man, that sounds interesting. In fact, that sounds really intriguing and I want to know more and maybe they begin to hear so much about Jesus that they want to follow Jesus is that okay what do you do with that because there were lots of things that separated Jews and Gentiles the the Jews would look on the Gentiles and say they eat things that God says we can't eat they do things that God says we can't do and because of that they are unclean. We don't want to have anything to do with them. And the Gentiles looked on the Jews and said, man, they only worship one God. That's weird. Okay, And and they, they have all these weird practices that we don't understand. We don't want any part of that. So when Gentiles say, I want to follow Jesus, this early Jewish Christian community has to decide, can these people who eat stuff that our bible the old testament says you're not supposed to eat can they can they become followers of god through jesus or not what do we do with these gentiles who want to follow jesus and so this is the big controversy in the early early church in acts chapter 10 God deals with it. Now, it would take a long time before this is all resolved, but God's message here is clear and it helps them begin to take steps in this. So I want us to look at this story. It all opens in the city of Caesarea. Caesarea was in Palestine. It was on the coast. It was important because it was the seat of Roman power. That means that this foreign army who is occupying Palestine, which includes Jerusalem, okay, all the Jews... This occupying force, it's where their army was really located, centered. That's where the Roman governor ruled from. It's an important city. And there was a man named Cornelius there, and it's his story that we're looking at today. So it begins this way. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment, a group of soldiers. He and all his family, now this is interesting, were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Cornelius is a man who is filled with contradictions. My guess is that the Romans, and he's part of the Roman army, part of this Roman occupying force in Palestine, probably don't understand him, and the Jews probably don't understand him because even though he's a Roman, sort of a non-commissioned officer in the Roman army, okay, He's also part of this group that's technically called among the Jews, God-fearers. And what they were, were Gentiles who've heard about the God of the Old Testament and they become intrigued. They want to know more. So they explore the Jewish scriptures and the Jewish practice and, and they begin to follow some of the guidelines. In fact, he's praying, he's giving away money to people in need. People are noticing that this is a devout man who's becoming devoted to the one true God of the Old Testament, the God ultimately of Jesus as well. He doesn't know that yet. So he's got the the Romans who probably think, why is he interested in this weird Jewish religion? We don't get that. And the Jews who are going, yeah, but he's a Gentile. He's part of this group that's occupying our own land. How do you understand this guy? But God spoke to him. God spoke in a vision, and he called to Cornelius, and Cornelius said, what do you want, God? And then in the middle of verse 4, the angel speaks to him, and the angel answers, your prayers and the gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter, Peter the apostle. Now he doesn't know all that, but that's who we're talking about. He is stay, staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. So God has spoken through this angel to Cornelius, and he said, "Cornelius, get Simon Peter, and so he, he brings together some trusted servants and a trusted soldier, and he sends them to Joppa, where peter 's staying to retrieve him. Now, about the time that these men get to Joppa, the scene shifts, and it shifts to Peter. Now Peter decides to go to the rooftop, which there was probably like a porch on top of each house, to pray." And And a little bit like us, sometimes when we're trying to pray, we get distracted. And Peter got distracted because he's like praying along and then he's like, you know, I'm sort of hungry. Okay, We do that, right? I'm hungry. I'm sleepy. We think of a million other things when we're trying to pray. It happened to Peter. And so they decide to prepare Peter a meal. And while they're preparing this meal, while he's hungry, he has a vision. And the vision goes like this. In the middle of his hunger, a sheet drops down from heaven, and it opens up and this sheet contains every animal that you could possibly eat. Four-footed animals, reptiles, birds, anything that you could want to eat. And in my mind, a bunch of stuff that you might not want to eat, right? I'm not into reptiles for eating, okay? But, but for Peter, he would have seen this and he would have thought, this is unacceptable. In fact, the voice that speaks to him says, "Kill." And eat. There's all this food. Take whatever you want. And Peter's thinking, I know what the rules are. And there's a bunch of things we're not supposed to eat that I'm being called to eat here. In fact, this is what he says. We find it down in verse 15. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 14. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. I've followed the rules my whole life. I know what I'm supposed to eat. What I'm not supposed to eat. I'm not going to do this. Then God speaks in verse 15. A voice spoke to him. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. It's happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back into heaven. Things are changing. The stuff that Peter knew to be unclean, impure. God is saying... I've changed, I've changed what, this, what this means to you, how you understand this. The rules are going to be different. I have made clean what you thought was unclean. God is changing the ways relating. And Peter's trying to figure this out. And these men are coming basically to the house at this time. And then we read this in verse 19, while Peter was still thinking about this vision, trying to figure it out the Spirit said to him, and this is more direct, Simon, three men are coming for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them for I have sent them. Direct, a command, go. And so at that moment, these men come to the house and they introduce themselves as coming from Cornelius. They say who Cornelius is. And then Peter does the unthinkable for these Gentile men. He invites them into the house where he's staying, and they spend the night. You just don't do that. They're Gentiles. They're unclean. They're impure. You can't allow them around your table. You can't allow them in your home. That's not allowed. And yet, Peter did just that. And then the next morning, he went with the men back to Caesarea to Cornelius. And we find that he has a little interchange With Cornelius, with some of the family, they're expecting him, and they want him, Peter, to speak to a crowd that's gathered. Verse 27. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And my guess is these are all Gentiles, non-Jews. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. In other words, I shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't be standing in this room with you. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. That's a powerful statement. I don't get to call any person impure or unclean. So, when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. And then this awesome question. May I ask why you sent for me? He doesn't even know why he's there yet, okay? But he's there. He's gone against everything he thought was right because God has spoken and he's recognized that God is is sort of blowing a fresh wind But things are new and that God is changing things and he wants to be right in the middle of it. And so there he is with all these Gentiles ready to do whatever it is they need to do And so Cornelius tells him about his vision, about how God had told him to call for Peter. And then Peter says this in verse 34. Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news, the gospel of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. And so Peter says, hey, God is changing things. And maybe he even says, I didn't know how much he was changing things in Jesus, but but everything is different. And everything I thought I had to reject because these people were different from me, different from my people, different from my religion, I'm seeing that God is opening a new door and inviting everyone in. And so then Peter begins to share the full message of Jesus And then a miracle happens. These people that have called for Peter, somehow suddenly the power of the Holy Spirit fills this room, and they receive these miraculous gifts. And then everyone in the room follows Jesus. Now, what does that teach us? Peter thought he knew who was in and who was out. He thought he knew that God loved certain people and God rejected other people. And through this vision, and through this command of God, and through exposure to these people, he recognizes that God is doing something new. And the message for us is love everyone God loves. That's what Peter recognized. I don't get to decide that God loves this group of people over here and God doesn't love this group of people over here because these people agree with me, they're like me, they speak my language, they do what I do, they think the way I think, they act the way I act, and these people don't, so God doesn't love them. Peter recognized that God's love is expansive, that God's love is open. That God created every single human being and he loves them all. And he invites them in Jesus. And so we're left with this tremendous responsibility to open our hearts and open our arms and share the message of Jesus with whoever will listen. Because every single person is loved by God. And we should have that same love for them. Love everyone God loves. We don't get to decide who God loves because he loves everyone. He doesn't show partiality, Peter says. And so when they respond to Jesus, we welcome that. Regardless of their past, regardless of whether they agree with us politically or disagree with us, regardless of what may have happened that led them there, all those things, we open. We open it up because Christ opened it up. And you know, when that happens, when we choose to love everyone that God loves, it's amazing what God can do. We may reach people that we never thought we would and give hope to people that we never thought we would. This week I got a letter. It's a letter from someone that we helped through the angel tree. And lots of people in this room helped with that. You bought gifts or food, and you provided that for people who, whose children, I mean, their, their children, we gave it to them of parents who are incarcerated. So the gifts were for the kids, the families, because someone in that family is incarcerated. And so I got this letter from Kyle. And, and there's a little greeting, but then Kyle says this. Today I received the Christmas card that you sent me back on December 18th. And as you can see, this is dated January 5th. As you can see, it took around two and a half weeks to get to me, but that's not surprising because that's how long it always takes the mail to get to us here at Statesville Correctional Center. Anyways, I appreciate you sending me the card. But, underline but, you also mentioned in the card how you purchased Christmas gifts for my special little one, Tyson, in my name. And that's the beauty of Angel Tree. Well, for you to know, I appreciate your thoughtfulness then, in all caps, underlined twice, so much. Thank you for showing me that there's still love out there in the world. I hope your new year is a wonderful one. Thank you for your love. That's what happens. That's what happens when we decide, just because people messed up, just because someone thinks differently... Just because they have a different background, I don't get to say, I'm in, and you're out. Because as Christians, what we say is, man, God loves you, and so do I. Let's pray together. How do your love overwhelms us? And we're thankful for that. Thankful that you love us even when over and over we do things that show that we reject you. Because you've given us grace in Jesus Christ, we're forgiven. And so God, we pray that you'll help us not to try to restrict your love for other people because they're different from us. Because they think differently, act differently, talk differently, eat different things made mistakes. God, help us to love everybody you love. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe today you're ready to open your heart to the love that God has for you that's shown in Jesus on the cross. You're ready to respond in faith and repentance and you want to be baptized into Christ. If you've made that decision or you're sort of beginning that road and would just like to talk to someone as you walk down that path, let us know. Come forward. As we stand in sing invitation, let's stand here.